Um, today we're going to be talking about this concept of being thankful and giving thanks, and there's some things that, uh, that we're going to do along the way. As you came in, you may have noticed we've got the Lord's tab uh, Supper tables set up, and so we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper a little bit later on in our service, and we'll give you some instruction on that. Um, but meanwhile, as we get started here during this time together, I just want you guys to sit back and relax. Um, uh, we're going to walk through several things, and one of those is I want to show you um, a testimony, and it's on video, um, but many of you are aware um, and have been praying for Jeff Stratton and uh, his kind of his journey and his need for uh, for liver, for new liver. Um, he, he had liver disease and he needed a liver transplant, and uh, God really came through in a mighty way. And uh, it's a beautiful story. It's a powerful story. And um, and so we had an opportunity to uh, to film that earlier so that Jeff Stratton and, and even Amy Spengler could share a little bit about uh, what God did uh, in their lives. And um, and of course, for those of you that have been praying and that were kind of aware of the story, um, we just uh, are so delighted that uh, that you went to the Lord in prayer. And so let's take a look at this and um, and let's just uh, come come to this uh, this time. Uh, with a grateful heart, knowing that we serve a mighty God, Amen. And uh, and sometimes it might look like things are bleak, but with God, it's not. It's not always the case. What's impossible for man is totally possible for God. And so, what a mighty God we serve. And so, let's let's take a look at this here. My name is Jeff Stratton. I've been attending church here for about seven years. And I'm Amy Spangler. I've been attending this church for the last five. Or six years where she is my best friend's wife we want to tell you a story today about uh, a liver transplant I first found out I had hepatitis C 40 years ago before they even knew it was hepatitis C um, they found out through some testing that uh, while I was in the Navy that I had some kind of disorder with my blood. They put me on shore duty. And, um, and during that time, uh, I, you know, they didn't know exactly what it was, put me through a bunch of tests. And uh, I basically ignored it because they didn't have any next steps for me, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And so I ignored it until the year 2000, it came up through some routine blood tests that I actually had hepatitis C, genotype one. There was only one type of treatment for it at that time. It was not known to be very successful, and it would actually make you very sick. And so I elected not to do anything about it again. I didn't really feel bad. I felt like they said that it would show up in my 50s, and sure I thought I was not in my 50s yet, so why worry about it right now? And so I didn't. I, uh, I just kept uh, living life as usual. After I became a believer in 1992, February 26, 1992, I, uh, I uh, still drank occasionally with family and smoked very little, two to three cigarettes a day on average, uh, which I'm not proud of. But it's still, I still knew that God did not want that for me. And um, year 2012, come to find out that uh, 
it was starting to, I was in my 50s, and it was starting to show up in a bad way. And during some routine blood testing, matter of fact, I, I went to the doctor and uh, had some, she had some blood tests and for me and she asked, wanted me to complete some more testing. I basically kind of ignored her thinking it's gonna get better. So I, I, I ignored her and I, you know, I didn't get complete the testing. Well, I had something wrong with my back and I had to go back to the doctor and my wife accompanied me. The doctor comes in and she goes, oh, is that your wife, Mr. Stratton? I said, yes. And she goes, well, the last time you were here, I asked you to do this, this, and this, which you've done none of. And my wife said, he will now. <laughs> so um, I completed the testing. Turns out I have stage four liver disease, better known as cirrhosis, due to the hepatitis C. And I had uh, some options, which uh, were included treatment. They'd come out with some new treatments, but I would have to join a program. So uh, long story short, I uh, entered the program and they, uh, they started monitoring my numbers. And due to the fact that I stopped all drinking and all smoking, my liver actually improved a little bit until mm -hmm. so that I could undergo treatment. So I underwent the treatment Took, uh, it was supposed to take 90 days for the first six weeks. I felt fine. During the next six weeks, the last part of the treatment, I started feeling really bad. And uh, bad enough to where I had to go out on disability. I, I had memory issues. And I was just feeling really bad. My skin began to turn gray and yellow. And uh, my belly was swelling due to ascites. And it was just not a good thing. So I went on uh, disability to finish out the treatment. The end of the treatment, they said that I was virus free. So, and that I, my health should start improving. Well, it really didn't start improving. And a week later they called me up and they said that uh, the liver, or the virus rather, had not been eradicated. And that uh, I was actually now in end stage liver disease and I would need a transplant. And that was Devastating to say the least. We were, I personally knew God was in control, knew that he works all things for the good of those who are called according to his purpose and who love him. And I do love the Lord more now than I did then, but I still loved him and I knew that he was in control. But I was still very depressed because I, there's something that happens to you when you get sick. You can put on all the, you know, the, uh, the front you want, but when you're sick, you're sick, and uh, it's hard to maintain a positive attitude through that. Anyway, uh, they said I would need a liver transplant, and that I'd have to wait a while because my MELD score did not uh, say that I was all that sick. Well, MELD scores don't give you the whole story, especially in my case. I was getting really sick my MELD scores were saying that it's not that sick. They wanted me to, to uh, wait uh, for a liver until, you know, wait till my numbers got bad enough to where I could uh, be on the list to get a liver. So I got listed, and, uh, but we heard that USCSF does live donor transplants, that we could get somebody to give me a, a half their liver. And, uh, their liver would return to normal 
and uh, I, my mind would be normal as well. And uh, so we just needed a volunteer to donate their liver. Well, the first one up was my nephew, Richard. Felt really bad about it because I'm thinking, my disease is causing somebody pain. It's going to cause somebody pain, and I, I had to put that behind me. We can talk more about that later, but that was a tough thing to swallow, is the fact that uh, I would need, you know, somebody was going to have to go through a, lot, a major operation to save my life. And that was not easy. That was pretty hard, as a matter of fact. It was very depressing to think about that. So it just added and compounded my depression. Anyway, my first one up was my nephew, Richard. During his qualification, it was discovered that he had a double artery. To connect it, they would have to do a lot of rearranging. So they wanted to look at another donor. So that next donor was Michael Fisher. And he was part of our small group Bible study at church. Love the guy. awesome. And uh, he felt like God was calling him to, to, to be the donor. He said he clearly heard God's voice telling him to do this. So I said, okay, brother, if God's calling you to do it, uh, you know who am I to get in the way? And uh, so let's go for it. So they tested Michael, and uh, there were some issues, but they thought that they could make this work. So it took about 90 days to get uh, for this process. Long story short, <laughs> um, after 90 days, we were at the pre-op table and we were getting ready to go in. And uh, it was a long process. That three months seemed like three, three years. Mm -hmm. But uh, we were on the pre-op table, getting ready to go. And um, the doctor come in and he called it off. He said, Michael's platelets had dropped and that he was sorry but they weren't going to be able to complete the transplant and so we were obviously very very devastated at that point we're shocked we had no idea I mean God why did you bring us to this point you know we're we went through this this you know, we waited. We went through uh, Richard. And that wasn't cheap. And then we waited for Michael. And, you know, here we are, you know, at the pre-op table. Why did you call this off? We had no idea. We were just completely devastated by it. But I still believe God had a plan. And that plan may be for me to go home, but that's okay. And I, it was hard because... I felt like I was going home, but nobody else wanted to talk about that part of it. At that time, Amy comes to me, sweet little Amy, and says, Jeff, I always felt like, even when my, Michael was going through this process, I felt like God was calling me to be your donor. Mm. Right? Yes, yes. I sat down and I said, I think it's supposed to be you and me doing this thing together. Um, I felt a, a real tug um, while Michael was going through his workup. And uh, I remember asking Toby what your blood type was, and she told me it was A positive. And then a picture just flashed in my mind of my medical record from when I was in the military having already typed me as, as uh, A positive. 
And I texted Toby and I asked her, well, what do you do? How do you go about becoming a donor? And she said, you go to the UCSF website and you fill out a questionnaire. So I went ahead and I did that. And I remember being hopeful because even though you guys had already said that a woman would not be able to donate to you right. because of your height and size, um, I was hopeful because the video that I watched showed a daughter donating to her father. And I remember telling Toby, hey, this, this could really work. And then we found out that Michael was going to donate and... Um, Steve and I had made arrangements to be there with the family because me and Steven are like brothers. He is my brother. And um, we were on our way. We had just crossed the bridge when Toby texted us and told us that the surgery was called off. And it was a devastating day. And it was emotional. It was hard. And, uh, but that's when, that's when things really, that's when the miracles began. Um, can I just say something? Sure. You know, when Amy came to my bedside and told me that she really felt like God was calling to do this, I was not ready for that. I was just like, I didn't want to discourage her, but I was just like, okay, that's that's nice. That's cool. Go for it. I was so hopeful. She was very hopeful. <laughs> and I'm just like, hey, these people better get ready because I'm going to be checking out soon. Well, I remember Toby telling the doctors, my husband needs a transplant, and he needs it now. And within an hour of it being called off, UCSF emails me, and I get it on my phone, and they say, hey, Mr. Stratton still needs a donor. Are you still interested? Um, the next step is blood typing. So I, I called, and I walked across the street because the donor building was straight across the street, and I got the paperwork lab work for um, a blood draw and I did that on my way out of the city and then about a week later they called me and they said um, we'd like to, to schedule your workup and it was two days and rigorous testing um, I then was able to kind of get that insight on what Michael and Richard had gone through in order to qualify and uh, once insurance approved it I, I went in my first day was on a Friday, and I met with the coordinator, and she said, if there's anything wrong with you, we will find it, because they look at you from head to toe. Every system of your body is gone through, because you have to be a perfect match. And um, I, just kept, I just kept thinking, um, okay, this is it. We're going to go for it. And I remember very distinctly in my heart, God telling me that, to be anonymous, that this was just not, you know, I just remember that being such a big deal. And I emailed the pastors of the church and I um, let them know what was going on so that we could have that, that prayer covering. And um, went through day one. Day one went well, I remember. And, and I was being taken through a lot of my own personal battles through this whole process myself. I was doing things on my own and alone that had always been difficult for me to do, um, you know, through all the testing. And so it was really a time that I was drawing near to the Lord myself and putting so much faith and trust in him, not just for your sake, but for, for my own. Can we talk about how long you would uh, quit drinking? Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> June, June 2nd um, of this year was uh, marked my seven years of not having any alcohol at all. The Lord truly delivered me from that. 
so I remember I, I called Toby. Um, day one went really well. I'm going back on Tuesday. Right. So uh, it was the holiday weekend, July 4th. And so I went back the following week and, and went through that second day of testing. They, they try to order it in such a way as to do the less invasive testing on day one um, so that if you disqualify, you don't have to go back in for the more invasive testing on day right. two. Right. Now um, this, this, this whole time, she's going through the testing. She's feeling more positive. And I'm trying to put on the positive front. But at the same time, Amy knows, because she's have faith, just have faith. And I'm like, well, I got faith. I got faith in God's will. But it may not be for me to be here. Okay, I want everybody to understand that. And uh, nobody was listening to me. <laughs> Have faith, this is going to work. Day two came and went, and that all went well. And then it was just a matter of waiting. It was just waiting for all the blood work to come back in, all the um, test results to come back in. And uh, they called and they said, we just want to do a biopsy, a liver biopsy, because we just want to make sure that, you know, because of my history of, of drinking and things like that, they wanted to make sure that my liver was in optimal shape to donate. And I'm getting so excited, and I'm just, you know, Lord, if you're in it, it's going to happen. And, um, well, the results, the results came in, and yes. the doctor called me in and began to tell me about... Um, how I was such a match for Jeff, and he's itching to tell it, so I'm going to let him tell. Well, you know, <laughs> from the beginning, I did not have a lot of faith that Amy was going to be the one, because I'd already been turned down twice, okay? And you can say what you want. I mean, everybody's faith is going to be tested. Mine was really tested, because I'd been turned down twice. The second time, at the pre-op table. Hey, that's a pretty tough nut to crack you, when you... You were uh, filming your eulogy. You were ready to... Yeah, I had already filmed my eulogy, yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, what's going on, man? So I didn't have a lot of faith, but it turns out that uh, Amy's liver was larger than normal. Mm -hmm. And so she could indeed give half her liver... More than half. More than half, yeah. You got 55%. I got 55%. <laughs> Everybody's liver is piped differently, um, but Amy's was piped exactly like mine. All they had to do was just lay it in there and sew it up, and it was just absolutely perfection. Perfection. I mean, it was just perfect. They couldn't have found a better liver, and uh, so we just went through and we're in uh, pre-op. You get the date. Got the date. That's right. We got the date. Our church prayed for us and yeah, over us. Right. That's, <laughs> when, that's when we let others know what was about to take yeah. place. So we check in. We checked in. We checked in. Our families were there. Yeah. And um, we had people praying from East Coast to West Coast. To All around across, the world. Across the world. Yeah. It was just technology today makes that. Well, people in Kenya. Yeah. I have a friend in Australia who had his folks praying for us. We literally... Probably, and through Facebook. Say what you want about Facebook, but we had a lot of people praying for us simply because it was out on Facebook. Yeah. I mean, it was tremendous. So anyway, so we're, get in, down to, we're in pre-op. We're in pre-op, and they take Amy first, and uh, which was going to be, then they were going to take me like an hour later. Well, three hours went by, and I told my wife, I go, something's wrong. I don't know what it is, but something's wrong. Something's not right. My wife's going, oh, everything's going to be 
fine. I go, something's wrong. Toby said that the time just was flying by for her. It wasn't for me. <laughs> no, I'm going to tell you what. It was not flying for me. And uh, it was each minute, each minute seemed like an hour. So laying there for three hours, you know, and I was fasting. You mm -hmm. had to fast. I hadn't had anything to eat for so long. Uh, anyway, they found a tumor on Amy's stomach and uh, that they wouldn't have found had she not been obedient. This is the biggest miracle. <laughs> she not have been obedient, they wouldn't have found this tumor until it was too late to save her life. They found that tumor and they took it out and uh, she's cancer free. And that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's a big deal to me. Because not only did it, you know, her being obedience, actually God used that to save her life, but also it removed a lot of guilt that I had. Didn't realize it at the time, but I was carrying a lot of guilt. Even for, It took me three days in the hospital before I realized. I mean, we were in so much pain following that procedure. I mean, it is a devastating surgery. Say what you want, but it was it was really, really painful. We had to be on strong drugs. I'm still on a lot of drugs. I'll be on drugs the rest of my life, anti-rejection drugs. Uh, Amy, fortunately, is, <laughs> she's off everything now. That's cool. And she's cancer-free. That's, that's just a miracle inside the miracle of just the transplant itself, I was in awe of that, the ability to, to do that and um, that it would regenerate and that we would each have a new liver from one. But yeah, no, I, um, I was in such awe of God. And I remember thinking I was so worried about somehow taking glory. And it was impossible for me to do that mm. because... Um, Save your life. God just... What he did was he just orchestrated everything yes, so beautifully. Yeah. It just could not have been more perfect in every detail, no. all the timing of it. Yeah. So for us to be able to sit here today and witness and testify and be living proof mm. of, uh, mm. of the miracle and to say that God still performs them. God is alive. He's a master planner and he's got a plan for you. And anybody who will, who will call on his name, who will believe, he has a plan for your life. And I definitely don't want to go through that again because we had a lot of pain and I, and, but I'm glad we went through it because now we know God a little more. He's alive. He loves us. And that our trials are um, opportunities to trust. And to lean yes. and to grow and to go deeper yep. and uh, let them call you out and uh, take that step in faith mm. and see what he's going to do in it. Mm. He's going to dazzle you. Yes. <laughs> he's going to dazzle you. You're right. So thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. And remember, God has a plan for you. You got to pay attention. Be doers of the word. Okay? Because he wants to do things in your life. Our darkness seems to win when we know the pain reminds this heart that this
What do you guys think? Isn't God awesome? Amen. Well, um, we sure appreciate Jeff and Amy sharing such a personal uh, uh, part of their journey. And, um, and they wanted to be sure and let the church family know, as well as many others, they're so thankful for the prayers. You guys were prayer warriors, and you came through and just stood by their side stood by Jeff's side during, uh, as you saw on the video, the roller coaster, the ups and downs of that entire journey. And, I mean, isn't it marvelous how God came through in such a miraculous and powerful way? And so t- to God be the glory, because great things he has done. Now, um, I should let you know, Je- Jeff was a little disappointed he couldn't be here today. He's having a, a procedure. They're putting in um, a, a new, new stint in the bile duct. And they're treating some blood infection there, but he said it's routine. And as you might imagine with a process as involved as this, there's uh, some procedures and stuff that follow to make sure everything is going well. But as you saw in the video, he's looking good. He's got energy back, right, Toby? He's getting his energy back. And, um, and uh, it's just been so great all along the way. He's had such a sweet spirit and just wanting to give God glory uh, in, in every way possible. And, um, and continuing to do so. And so thanks for your prayers. And um, I would say that Jeff Stratton and, and his wife Tovey, um, Amy Spangler as well, they've got so much to be thankful for that the way that God orchestrated these events. And one of uh, our prayers for showing you this is not only um, to just bring you into the story and to thank you for praying and really to shine a spotlight on what God can do, but also... Uh, I pray that as you, as you see and you hear stories like this, it causes you to reflect in your own life. What has God done for me? What has God done for you? And are there things, maybe it's different, maybe, you know, God came through in some different ways, but don't we all have areas in our life that we can look back over and say, God was there. He has given me a blessing to be thankful for. He's given me many blessings to be thankful for. And so, uh, so we want that to stir within you, cause your mind uh, to look back and say, Man, God is in control. I've seen his hand in my life. And, um, and maybe some of you are sitting here and thinking, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen that. And so I want to encourage you to open your eyes and let God um, just demonstrate to you his mighty love and his wonderful power. Okay? 
So I want to say a few remarks to you. It's not really a message, uh, but just a few remarks to you as we prepare our hearts for Thanksgiving, as we kind of transition from what we saw in the video, and as we prepare for observing the Lord's Supper today. Okay? So you guys, you guys ready? You okay to, to do a little bit more here? Okay. Well, um, so, so this Thursday is Thanksgiving, and what a beautiful time of the year it is. To, we've got this one day set aside to uh, give thanks. Give thanks to the Lord for uh, the many things that he's given us, wonderful blessings in our life. And um, really, honestly, as I was thinking about it, I was thinking it probably shouldn't just be one day, especially as God's people. That should be an attitude of our hearts throughout, day in and day out. And, um, and so I wanted to talk today about what it means to be thankful. And one of the things that I think is kind of unique about this time of year, it moves so quickly, right? So if you're not, if you're not careful, it can just pass you right by. There's a lot of busyness and some stress. I don't know. It, does anybody get stressed out between Thanksgiving and Christmas? It's kind of inevitable. And, and then one of the other things that happens with, with our culture is, you know, the stores and the businesses, they're just bombarding you with stuff, right? I mean, are you already starting to get the Christmas catalogs in your mailbox? How, ma- how many of you have started getting catalogs in your email? Now they're just, they just send it right to your email and to the apps on your smartphone. So they, they don't want to let you forget that there's more stuff you need. You know, it's good to have what you have, but you always need a little bit more, right? And, um, and that's kind of on the agenda for, uh, for the shops and everything like that. But, you know, being thankful is, uh, is less about um, what do I want, what am I going to get, but more about what I already have and, and living with that. I remember when, uh, when I was a kid, when me and my sister were kids, you know, we always used to try and dig out the Toys R Us catalog from the newspaper when it would come by. And then, um, and then we would go through and we would just like pour over it and try and circle the things that we wanted to ask for from mom and dad for Christmas, right? My sister's name is Sarah. My name's Eric. So she would put an S by the things that she circled. And I would put an E by the things I circled. I think my parents were probably smart enough to figure out who wanted what. But anyway, we didn't want there to be any doubt. By the time we were done with the thing, it was just tattered. It was all bent up. And uh, really, practically, everything was circled in there. So the message was, you know, mom and dad, we just, everything from Toys R Us, that would be fine. And um, so anyway, but, but aren't we like that? You know, we're kind of looking at what's, what's ahead and all that kind of stuff. But God wants us, I think he wants to remind us of the things that he has done for us. And, you know, we get all these Christmas catalogs, and we've got to do the shopping, not just for ourselves, but for many other people. And that's a great thing. I don't want to pour cold water on that, all that kind of stuff. But what I do want to remind us today of being mindful of God's Thanksgiving catalog. There's a Thanksgiving catalog. And so if you'll turn with me, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to um, Psalm 103. And we're going to look at a Thanksgiving catalog from God's Word. And there's some things that we have to be thankful for um, in Him. If you don't have your Bibles with you, you can look up on the screen. The, the uh, verses are going to be up there as well. But Psalm 103 starts out and it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise the holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. We saw about that, right? In the video. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? And so, um, so from this, uh, this Thanksgiving catalog, if you will, 
there's five things we see there specifically that we can thank God for. Number one, he forgives us our sins. Amazing. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God desires to forgive you of your sins, and he promises to be faithful in that. Number two, he heals us from our diseases. We saw a tremendous story about that just a few moments ago. And, and some of you might even have uh, similar stories of where God uh, reached into your life and he brought healing from diseases and sicknesses. Number three, he redeems our life. The word redeem means to buy something back. It means to pay a price for it. And um, see, God bought each of us back. He, uh, he bought us back with the life of his son, Jesus Christ. The blood that Jesus spilled on the cross is the payment to buy us back so that we can be redeemed. Our life can be redeemed through him. Um, So number four, he crowns us with love and compassion. What a great honor. What a great blessing to be brought into God's favor. Can you imagine that? Are we worthy of that? No, not not one of us. But God desires to bring us back into his favor to crown you, what a beautiful picture, to crown you with love and compassion that comes from him. And then number five, he satisfies our desires with good things. God is a gracious, perfect, and loving heavenly father. And if think if we're honest with ourselves, not only do we have really pretty much everything that we really need, right, for basic just living, but God doesn't say, well, hey, you've got everything you, you need, so, you know. But no, in his graciousness, many times he gives us good things, he gives us sometimes things that we want that are good and that are, that are pure and that are true. And so God just lavishes his love upon us in such a marvelous way. So as we move into this season of thanksgiving, I want to encourage you guys to be mindful of God's thanksgiving catalog. And, um, and really as we enter into this time, be intentional, intentional about giving God thanks in your life. And something else I want to share with you guys um, because as I say that, you know, a, a lot of times it's easier said than done because uh, having a thankful attitude and a, and a heart of thanksgiving is sometimes goes against the grain of how we're wired. It's, it's against our human nature to say, hey, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. I'm content. And God is so good. And so I just want to leave you with three things to, um, to think about as we, as we think about being a thankful people. And so if you still have your Bibles open, turn back a couple of pages to Psalm 92. If not, the words again are going to be up on the screen. And so I'm going to suggest a couple of things about how do we do this? How do we be thankful? So look with me at Psalm 92, the first four verses. It says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. On an instrument of ten strings. My instrument only has six strings, so I'm already falling short. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp with harmonious sound. For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the works of your hands. Amen. So, a couple of things that we see from this and and from some other passages of Scripture. Um, How do we be thankful? Well, one of the ways is we must be thankful for um, God's blessings which are behind us. We need to be thankful for the blessings which are behind us. Psalm 92 verse 4 says, For you, Lord, have made me glad 
through your word. It's a way of looking back and recounting in your life, where have I seen God? Where have I seen his hand at work? In what ways has he blessed me? I'm thankful for that. For me, I know personally in my life, one of the things that helps my faith moving forward is looking back and seeing the ways that God has been there for me and past experiences in my life. And if I'm really honest with myself, I have to say, God, I don't have to doubt you moving forward because you've always been there along the way, right? And so we need to look back and um, remember God's blessings, which are behind us. There's past spiritual blessings. Has God offered you salvation? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the living Lord? Um, Does he hear you when you pray? Does he answer us when we pray? I mean, there's spiritual blessings that we can be thankful for. Um, There's past social blessings. In other words, like the relationships that we have, okay? Um, Do you have a family? Do you have friends? Do you have uh, coworkers and people that you enjoy being around? Um, Those are blessings that come from God on high. Um, There's past earthly blessings. We have life. We have health. We have a roof over our head, a bed to sleep in, food to eat. And, you know, those are things we can't always take for granted. There's people in this world that don't have some of those same things. But when God has blessed us with, with earthly blessings, we can give him thanks for that. Right? Okay? So, we must be thankful for God's blessings which are behind us. In addition, be thankful for God's blessings which are before us. 1 Corinthians 2 eyes, uh, two nine, two eyes, <laughs> two nine says, No eye has seen. That's where I was getting that from. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Isn't that amazing? That there are blessings in store, and we know that there are. We don't know exactly what they are, nor can we comprehend, but we know that they're in store, and they're, they're lying ahead. God is ahead of us, and he's prepared things that we don't know yet, and we're going to get there, and so we can give him thanks for the things that are before us. And then in conclusion, Thankfulness is an activity. It's an attitude, right? It's an attitude of our hearts. We have to condition that. We have to train ourselves. Um, we have to focus our attention on being thankful. But it doesn't just stay inside. It kind of comes out. It demonstrates itself in tangible ways. Um, thankfulness is an activity. Did you see in that passage I read in the first two verses, um, Psalm 92, 1 and 2, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises. That's an activity, right? Um, sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare, to tell it out, your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. There's a spiritual thankfulness, right? When we've committed uh, to come and give thanksgiving to the Lord, Psalm 100, verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. There's an action associated with that spiritual attitude of thankfulness. There's personal thankfulness. We can use the body that God has given us to give him thanks. Um, there's an, a fascinating passage in Romans six thirteen. It says, do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death into life. Awesome. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. See, God has given you a body, he's given you life and breath and vitality, and you can use that to serve him and to give thanks to who he is and what he has done. There's musical thankfulness, and a lot of we do a lot of that when we gather together. 
for worship. We saw in verses 2 through 3, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night on an instrument of ten strings and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But we can give God praise through music and through song. Psalm 40, verse 3 says, he put a new song in my mouth. Even way back then in the, in the, in the Psalms, God's giving them new songs and a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. So there's activity that goes along with our thanksgiving, and we can see several of those examples throughout Scripture. And so, in summary, three things that help us have an attitude and a mindset of thankfulness. One, be thankful for God's blessings which are behind us. Be thankful for God's blessings which are before us. And to let your thankfulness be an activity. Okay? So let's remember those things as we move into this week. And hopefully that brings some encouragement and, uh, and just some, uh, some stuff that we can do as we celebrate what God's doing in our lives. And we give him thanks and praise. We're going to move into a time of Lord's Supper. And I'm excited uh, about this opportunity today because, you know, many times when we're preparing our hearts for the Lord's Supper, you know, we're contemplative and we're somber and, you know, we want to prepare to be in the right mindset and the right heart to observe the Lord's Supper. I want you to add today as you're doing that, what are you thankful for? And, And what are the ways that you can give thanks to God, maybe for past spiritual blessings in your life as you're preparing your heart and your mindset? For the Lord's Supper today. God is great. Amen. He is so good. And he's worthy of our praise. And so let me explain Lord's Supper.